Well, good morning, church. Uh, great to have you here with us today at our Gateway Baptist Church 10 a.m. service. Thank you, DP, for your leadership, mate. I really appreciate you and what you do for us as a church. Hey, look, this morning we are going to wrap up our simple sermon series. And uh, I hope that after the last couple of months, you have been able to take away some things that are helping you to navigate some complicated situations in life well. And uh, this morning, I'm going to touch on the topic of work or our place of employment. And uh, before I kick off, I do want to acknowledge that there are people in this room who may be done and dusted with work. You may be in that blessed time of retirement, living well, living large, enjoying the sun. And I just want to acknowledge you this morning. And I also want to acknowledge our parents, in particular stay-home mums, single mums, who have got quite a significant task uh, to fill as well. And I want to acknowledge you, and I believe uh, that God is going to say something to you through this message this morning. And I also want to speak to the rest of us who have jobs or would like to actually have a job. And we'll get to that later in the message uh, as well. But this morning, we're continuing our simple sermon series. We're looking at the, the idea of work or employment, because if, it, if you give it some thought, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that work can sometimes be difficult and work can sometimes be complicated. You know, you may not like your job. You may not appreciate or like your salary. You may not like your work colleagues or perhaps even your boss. Does anybody here have a problem with their boss today? Hey, I actually wasn't after a response, but that's all right. Would have been concerning if members of the pastoral team shot their hand up into the air. But in all reality, that could be you. Perhaps your job is complicated or difficult because you do not like your commute to work, the product that your work is trying to distribute, the hours that you do, the meetings that you have to be a part of. Work can be difficult. But as followers of Jesus, it can be simple. Not easy, but simple. You know, in 2009, the Queensland Board or Queensland Tourism Board uh, began this campaign called the best job in the world. And they began this worldwide uh, hunt for somebody to fill a newly created position where they were to live on an island in the Great Barrier Reef. They were to swim, snorkel, explore, film everything that they're doing, and then pretty much blog about it. The successful candidate was a British man by the name of Ben Southall, and he was given this six-month gig that paid $150,000 to simply hang out and live on an island in the Great Barrier Reef, the best job in the world. Can I get an amen? Awesome. This is going well. Spare a thought for those who may have what I call the smelliest job in the world, armpit sniffers. Do you know there is a brand or a, a company overseas that manufactures deodorants and in order to ensure the quality of their deodorant is being held at the highest possible standard, they have employed a team to sniff the armpits of those who are experimenting their particular product. An armpit sniffer. Just out of curiosity, does anyone in this room have a job as an armpit sniffer this morning? Anybody at all? 
No. Well, we got one. I'd like to talk to you later. An armpit sniffer would have to be the smelliest job in the world. But consider a thought for those who have what I call the weirdest job in the world. And because of things like sales and product launches, the market for what we call a professional line stander is booming. You know, because of the recent release of the iPhone 3642 or whatever number they're at now, uh, there are people who are happy to stand in a queue on your behalf so that you can buy that product, so you can score those Justin Bieber tickets, whatever it might be, and in so doing, make some easy money. In fact, being a professional line stander would have to be some of the easiest money made. And the beauty of it is you can set your own hours, you can determine your own rates, there is no qualification required whatsoever, except maybe the patience of a saint, a pair of Nikes and a camping chair. That's all you need to fulfill the role of what we call a professional line stander, one of the weirdest jobs in the world. Hey, regardless of your profession, of where you sit in what we call the Australian labour market, work can at times be difficult, but as followers of Jesus, it can be simple, not easy, but simple. In your notes for this morning, you will see that we belong to a creative God that works. All we need to do is reflect on what we have learned through Scripture and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We look around and marvel at creation. We consider all of the things that God has provided us with. We see that God is creative. He is a worker. And in fact, He desires the same for His children. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we read that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was a young man, he was known to his neighbors as a craftsman. And in that day and age, craftsmen would work with stone, metal, but also wood. And because of all the information we have through historical accounts, it is believed that Jesus was a builder of wood. He was a carpenter. And that's how his neighbors knew him or what they knew him to be. And we read about that in Matthew chapter 13 to 55. You know, because of this, this picture that God creates, because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he did for nearly three times the length of his ministry, and that is to work, we see and believe that work is a part of God's plan for us. Whether you are a professional, an aid worker, a manager, salesperson, technician, tradie, administrator, operator, laborer, stay-at-home mother, whatever it may be, we can acknowledge that work at times can be difficult and that exists and that is the case for the followers of Jesus. But as followers of Jesus, it can actually be very simple. Not easy, but simple. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, I would like you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. And if you are new to Gateway or perhaps new to faith, 
Uh, we do believe that God reveals himself in various ways. And one of the ways he has done that is through the Holy Scriptures. We believe that they are alive and well. We believe that they are extremely relevant for us here in the 21st century. And we as the people of God still turn to them for advice and guidance on how to live the lives that God has called us to. So I want to lean into God's Word for an idea on how we can make our work simple. And we're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 13 through to 16. And it goes like this, the words of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word uh, this morning. Hey, Matthew chapter 5 provides for us what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it has to be some of the greatest teaching in the history of the world. And to kick off Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus provides for us the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is a picture of God's heart for his people or for his creation and some keys to doing life well. And that also includes work. And immediately following what we call the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about salt, light, and doers of good deeds. What does he mean by those three things? Well, firstly, he speaks of salt. And in Bible times, there was no refrigeration, so salt was used to preserve decay of perishable products. For example, fish caught in the Sea of Galilee would be salted and then transported to Jerusalem and other parts of the world for sale. That was the purpose of salt. And we all know salt makes things taste a lot better as well. That's a no-brainer. When it comes to light, Jesus is, I guess, encouraging us to display, to reflect, to demonstrate God's heart and God's love to the world around us instead of simply blending in to what's going on in the world around us. He calls us to be light. And then the doer of the good deeds side of things is actually seen when we display acts of love and kindness to those around us. And throughout the history of Christianity, we have seen a church that has a desire for equality and justice, demonstrate acts of love and kindness throughout the generations. For example, it is those from the early church and then following on from that, that began or established things like orphanages and hospitals and schools. The abolishment of slavery is all the byproduct, the fruit, the outpouring of what we read in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And as we seek to be salt, we prevent decay. As we seek to be light, we reflect God's heart and compassion. And as we do good deeds, fruit is born, things happen, God moves, He is honoured, and people look at this and give our Father in heaven glory. How do we make work simple? We are to be salt, light, and doers of good deeds. 
Let's pray this morning. I'm just kidding. That's not the end of the message. There's still plenty, plenty more to go. But I'll stay within the time frame as well. Hey, not only do we, uh, I guess, understand this call to be salt, light and doers of good deeds, and we know what that looks like, but practically I want to share with us a few more ideas on how we can be just that in the workplace. And the Apostle Paul in his writings also talks about the idea of work, and he provides for us some helpful hints that will help us or allow us to be salt, light and do good deeds uh, in the workplace. And I want to share three thoughts with you this morning because I love three-point sermons. And I believe these points will help us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be in the workplace and to help us do work simple or to at least make work simple. So the first thought I want to share with you this morning, and it's in your notes in front of you, is that when we go to work, Let's work as if we are working for Jesus. Let's work as if we are working for Jesus. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Slaves. Now let me just touch on slaves for a second. Uh, There is popular belief among scholars that this is being written to Um, believers who fill roles of service in the homes of other wealthy people or believers. So like maids and chefs and things along those lines. And some of them have turned or have received the gospel and are interested in the things that Paul has to say. So he's addressing them. We all know that slavery was a part uh, of society back in these days. But Ephesians 6 v 5, Paul says, Slaves. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Work as if you're working for Jesus. You know, over the years, I've worked for a number of organizations. You know, my first job was at Franklin's supermarket in Capalaba Park Shopping Center. And I was 17 years of age and I learned a lot during that time. I'll tell you a story uh, a little bit later. Uh, after Franklin's, uh, I then worked for Fulton Constructions. But hey, check me out for a second. I'm pretty small, pretty fragile, uh, pretty soft. I wasn't built for construction work, so I didn't last too long there. Uh, after Fulton Constructions, uh, I then thought, you know what, I'm going to take it easy and I'm going to go somewhere where I can actually get away with some stuff. So I worked for Redland City Council. And I worked there for a couple of years, childcare, doing that type of stuff. And then after that, I worked for the Queensland Disability Services as a support worker. I loved that. Uh, It was great. Along the way, I was doing uh, pastoral ministry in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, But then after the Church of the Nazarene and also uh, Queensland Disability Services, uh, I worked for Foxtel. So I was the guy that managed all those kiosks and shopping centres around Brisbane those Foxdale kiosks that are trying to sell you packages. You know, it was my job to oversee those kiosks, train up sales staff and get you to spend your money on pay TV. That's, that's what I did once upon a time. After Foxtel, uh, I went uh, back to pastoral ministry. 
Uh, I served at a church called Cleveland Baptist Church, which I love dearly and pray for often. After my time at Cleveland Baptist, I ended up at an organisation called the Brisbane Broncos. After that, I worked at the National Rugby League. And now I work for a church that none of you would know, but it's on the south side of Brisbane and it's called Gateway Baptist. And I'm loving my time here. It's great. And as a result of working for these organisations, I worked for 16 different managers. I'm not sure why my voice keeps cutting out like that. Um, But I worked for 16 different managers, all of which and all of whom I enjoyed working for, except two. But we won't get into that this morning. But I learned a lot from all of those managers, all of those supervisors, and I still continue to do so under the leadership of Jason Ellsmore, of course. But Paul's thoughts in Ephesians chapter 6, v 5, is encouraging us to work as if we're working for Jesus. So for example, let me put it to you this way. When you arrive at your place of employment... I arrive with a mindset that I'm about to do what I do, not because of what I'm asked to do, but because of Jesus. Let me take it one step further. When you arrive at work and you see your boss, your supervisor, your direct manager, decide in your heart that you are going to work for them as if you are working for Jesus. Let me go one step further than that. When you see the face of your boss, how about replace his face with the face of Jesus. Some of you are probably thinking, amen, have you seen my boss? That's a great idea, Pastor Jace. I'll take that one. Work as if we are working for Jesus. Now, I do understand that as I mention this, some of you are reflecting on your boss, your manager, or your direct report right now. And you are reflecting on the way that they have managed your business the way they have treated your staff, the way they have gone about their business. And as a result of that, you're thinking to yourself, man, doing what you are asking me to do is easier said than done. That's going to be quite difficult for me to do. And I acknowledge that. And that is where the practical challenge for this morning's message comes into play. The practical challenge for this message, and once again, don't get it twisted, I'm not wrapping the sermon up now, I'm just dropping it in right here, uh, is for us to spend five minutes every day this week to pray for those that are in a position of authority over us. You know, we are to pray uh, for the ability to lead and manage well. We can pray for their spouse and for members of their family. You know, if if, if there's a conflict issue in the workplace, we, we can pray into that. If our boss has not come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can pray into that as well. Let's spend five minutes of every day this week praying for our bosses. And as we go to work, let's work as if we are working, not for the product, not for the person, but for Jesus. Our love and respect for Jesus can be demonstrated in our love and respect for those who are in a position of authority over us. Let's work as if we are working for Jesus. Now, the other thought I want to share with you this morning is this, and I throw myself into this basket as well. Please don't think I'm preaching at you. This is all of us together. Let's work at all times with honesty and integrity. Let's work at all times with honesty 
and integrity. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. How good is God's word? It even talks about curry. I love curry. There's a great Indian restaurant on the left-hand side as you walk or drive into Capalabar. They do gluten-free curry. Get amongst it, people. I love it. I love it. They're not paying me for that quick disclaimer. I just like curry. Anyway, back on track. We need to work with honesty and integrity at all times. You know, as I mentioned, my first job uh, was at Franklin Supermarket in Capalabar Park when I was 17 years of age. It was really the grace of God at work for me to find a job. Um, but that was where my first job was. And in all honesty, uh, I was never in the running for employee of the month. Never in the running whatsoever. I mean, on Saturdays, I used to rap over the store's PA system. Uh, I used to dive into the toilet paper displays at the end of the aisles. Uh, I remember I used to get the packing trolley sideways around corners, you know, a little bit of drifting, they would say. Uh, I used to go to sleep at times behind the pallets in the storerooms. Now, I was never in the running for employee of the month at Franklin's No Frills at Capalabar Park. And if you work at something like Coles, Woolies, Eldy, I don't encourage that type of behavior and I don't endorse uh, what I did. But if you thought that story was bad, get a load of this one. After working at Franklin's for a couple of years, my boss had a, had a lapse in professionalism. And my boss asked if I would train a young new employee on how to do the role at Franklin's. And I thought, you know what, this is great. This is a bit of acknowledgement on the good work that I'm doing. Let's forget the trolley's going sideways, me sleeping in the storeroom and rapping over the PA system. I think I've been doing a great job. So I took that responsibility on and I started training this young man who was a teenager on how things worked around Franklin's. And I did a good job. I was above reproach. I did all the right things until the Friday. On the Friday being payday, I took this young man into the office where we were to collect our pay. And back then our pay was given in cash and little yellow envelopes with all the details like hours, work, tax and all that written on it. We're going back a ways here, church. But I went there, took them there, showed them how to get it done, explained how the envelope, you know, look, uh, worked and I was pointing things out. And then when I got to the end of it, I don't know what came over me, but I got to the end of reading out all the items on the envelope and I said, oh, they've forgotten something. They've forgotten the employee's training tax. He's kind of looked at me like, what? What's the employee training tax? And I'm like, well, you know, here you are assigned someone to train you so you can learn how to do the job. And, and there's a tax that comes with that. So that'll be $5. And the kid gave me five bucks. All right. Now just hold your thought. I know some of you are thinking, how on earth did Gateway give this guy a pastoral gig? I, I get that, but just hang on. Anyway, I did this for a couple of weeks. For about two, three more weeks, this young man, his name's Paul, God bless him, he'd come looking for me with $5. Here's your employee trainer's tax. And I'm just taking it. I was, I was a loose cannon. Anyways, one, uh, one day, we're all sitting in the tea room having lunch. It was the store manager, Paul, myself, 
couple of others. And my store manager asked Paul how he's finding the job. Is he settling in all right? And Paul's like, yeah, I'm loving it here. It's been really good. Jason's been a great help. But actually, I was just wondering, um, when do I stop paying the employee's training tax? And I started choking on my food and splatting and spluttering. And, and, um, and then my boss obviously asked Paul, what do you mean? And he told her. And then all of a sudden, she's like, Jason, come see me in my office. So we walked that way. But because I was such a great employee, I kept my job once again by the grace of God. I had to pay the money back. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of honesty and integrity going on from this guy that you are listening to uh, when I was a teenager working at Franklin's No Frills Supermarket in Capalabar Park. Extended lunch breaks, long coffee breaks, sick days right before a long weekend, taking boxes of pens and printing paper, constantly using the company's internet and phone for personal reasons. Shonky declarations come tax time. All these things can hinder our witness and cause our light to dim in the workplace. In fact, career builders interviewed a bunch of employers about the reasons they have terminated employees. And they discovered that 22% of employers have fired a worker for calling in sick with a fake excuse. 24% of employers have fired someone for using the internet for non-work-related activity. And 22% of employees know someone that has been fired for wasting time or disrupting other employees. Friends, these actions can maybe begin as something small, but then grow to something significant. We may actually drift into some of these things without actually realizing it, But what I would love for us to understand here this morning is that such things can hinder our witness and can dim our light in the workplace. And Paul is encouraging all of us, myself included, you know, and myself included being a pastor, we we can't have an excuse for extended lunch breaks and long coffees because we're talking about Jesus. Still, we've got to be mindful of that. But the encouragement to all of us is, Let's work at all times with honesty and integrity, even when we are out of the line of sight. When we're out of the office, when we're on the road, when we're in the air, when we're doing business trips, we must work with honesty and integrity. This is a great witness uh, in our workplace. The final thought I want to share with you, and now I'm wrapping it up, church. Okay, you can take a sigh of relief. We're nearly there. But the last thought I want to share with you is that we work so that we can be generous. We work so that we can be generous. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Once again, quick shout out to those of you who have retired. Another shout out to those of you who are at home raising children, a very significant and important task um, in God's plan overall. And I want to honor you and bless you this morning. You know, but as we work, working allows us 
to be generous. Now, let me just say that having a job and income is not the only way and the only reason that we can be generous. You know, I don't believe in what they call a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in what they call a poverty gospel. I believe in what they call a generous gospel. And we can actually be generous with little or much. You can be generous when you have a job or when you don't have a job. But the, but the point I'm trying to make here is when you go to work and when you are earning your income, think about all of the things that you can support or continue to support as a result of your work and therefore be generous. Hey, we serve a God who's extremely generous, amen? All we need to do is reflect on all the good things that God has given to us and has done for us. You know, we marvel at creation. We look at the roof over our head, the clothes on our back, the food that we have, the access to technology, data, family, friends. God is extremely generous to us. You know, His generosity was seen in a much bigger and significant way when He, in who was rich in mercy, you know, He leapt off His throne in the kingdom of heaven. He emptied Himself of all but love and He entered into what we call the human race. And he did this as the person Jesus Christ. And we know that in Jesus, the issue that sin has caused and that the issue that sin has created between the Creator and the creation is resolved. And we know that in Jesus, we can be brought into union with God. We know that we can be made at one with God, that we can be forgiven of God, that we can be a child of God, that we can be filled with the Spirit, and then we can live under the blessings of our Heavenly Father who continues to provide so generously to us. As children of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus. We have all that He is preparing for us in His house to look forward to. We serve and have a generous God. And as a result of this generosity, His desire for us is to also be generous. We can be generous with little. We can be generous with much. But with our work, our incomes, we can continue to support those people who are being generous both here around this country and also around the world. When you go to work, think about the support that we can offer our Gateway Beyond workers, our Gateway Counselling and Wholeness Centres, our Gateway Pastoral Team. Shameless plug there, I apologise, but they do good things around here. Think about the support that you can continue to offer the individual or that organisation or that project that you are passionate about and that is doing amazing things around the world. Our work helps us to continue a lifestyle of generosity. Now, I'm not speaking to you as if you're being greedy because I know we're a very generous church and you've been given to so many good things. But this is just a reminder that when we step into the workplace, we work as if we're working for Jesus. We work with honesty and integrity, but we also remind ourselves that, hey, we can be generous with what we get as a result of doing what we do. We work to be generous. You know, Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he says that work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God and perform it with an awareness of His presence. You know, regardless of our position in the Australian labour market, 
professionals, aid workers, managers, salespeople, techies, tradies, administrators, operators, laborers. Our work can also be our worship. Our work can also be our worship. But at times our work can be complicated, it can be difficult, but as followers of Jesus, it can be quite simple. Not easy, but simple. And that is we are to look at our places of employment or our homes as we work there with our children as opportunities to be salt, light, and to do good deeds. And we can also apply the other things that we've learned here this morning. Hey, look, in a couple of minutes, uh, Andrew and his team are going to lead us in song. And, and this morning, I just get the sense that there are people here who would love to be prayed for and prayed over because of their work. You know, perhaps you are unemployed. Perhaps you've been looking for a job and you would love to have a job that you can dedicate to God and make it a part of your worship. Perhaps you just need some help with that this morning. You know, we'd love to pray over that or, or into that for you. You know, perhaps there are some of you here who are still struggling and wrestling with this idea of purpose. Maybe even in the workplace. You don't feel like you fit in well. You don't feel like you're making a significant contribution uh, to what's being done at work. You know, we'd love to pray that God would provide for you and reveal to you your purpose uh, in your workplace. You know, perhaps for others, right now your place of work is actually a place of conflict. Perhaps you're not getting on with your boss or your colleagues. Maybe there's something going down in your business that you know and believe is not right and you're not sure how you can be salt. In other words, prevent decay in that. Well, we'd love to pray over you this morning. Our workplace can be difficult. As followers of Jesus, it can be simple, not easy, but simple. But it may require us to pray over you this morning. I'd invite you all to stand with me uh, right now, if you would. And look, if you want that prayer this morning or for anything else to do uh, with your work, uh, I want to invite you to start coming down right now. Uh, we're going to have members of our pastoral team and prayer team down the front. So I might ask them if they can move into position. And if you just want our team to pray over you, to pray into your workspace and into your career and into your future, man, we'll invite you to come down right now. Just start making your way down. And uh, we'll continue to pray during the song and then we'll conclude in due course. So why don't you come and receive the prayer that you would love to receive this morning and let's worship God together.